Good morning, church. I want to know who that is. Boy, I love you. Jesus loves you. I love our church. I just love our church. I came walking in here this morning. Everybody was setting up and they're jamming. We got the guys back there by the sound crew and everybody's happy and everybody's making a difference. It's great morale and camaraderie. I just, when people ask me what kind of a church you go to, I say a fun one. You know, we just love Jesus. We love each other and we love reaching out to a world that is confused and has a huge question mark on where did we come from, why are we here, and where are we headed. You know, the um, uh, it's a, a multi-billion dollar industry calling up a fortune teller, going to fortune tellers to find out what our future is. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of man. So we all know there's more than this. How do we know that? Isn't that interesting? We know there is more than this deep down inside. Even the atheist cries out, oh my God, when they are in trouble. You see, we can suppress the truth, but it's still there. We do not want to be a closed church, a small-minded church, a fearful, a fearful church, a self-righteous church. We do not want a holy huddle. We want to reach the world for Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let me ask you a question, and I want, to, I want to see a show of hands. Some of you are going to get it wrong, but just deal. How many of you believe that Jesus has something to say about the issues that are making the top headlines in the news today? Or do you think he would just stay out of it? It's a sincere question because we've got to check ourselves. We've got to know where we're at. How many of you, with a show of hands, believe that Jesus would just stay out of the headline news and not have anything to actually say about it, like in a conversation with somebody, or maybe from the pulpit. Raise your hand. Do you think he'd just stay out of it? Really? That's awesome. We got one that says he would stay out of it. How many of you believe that he would actually speak into it? Raise your hand. Wow, that's awesome. We only have one person to convert. That's awesome. <laughs> I believe, I believe, now, I will agree with the person that raised their hand for the first question. They might like where I'm headed with this. I believe that Jesus would speak into every issue of the day, but how he speaks into it is a completely different matter. And that is the thrust and the heart of this whole series. But back on the point of Jesus speaking into current issues of the day, if we were to look back at when Jesus walked the earth, just by reading the Gospels, I think we would see very quickly that he was knee-deep in the issues of his day. Jesus spoke on topics such as divorce, adultery, politics, money, greed, loneliness, racism, death, fear, purpose, significance, materialism, hedonism, humanism, creation, happiness, anxiety, parenting, marriage, hope, forgiveness, life, and much, much more. Jesus was relevant, and he still is. 
Now, some of you might say, you know, I don't want to come to church to hear about things that I hear about in the news. Well, you selfish thing. You cold-hearted, fearful thing. Why wouldn't we want to talk about as the ambassadors of Christ, the things that are deeply affecting the people that you work with, go to school with, in your own family, in your neighborhood? Why would we not want to talk about these things, get Jesus' perspective and heart on them so that we can communicate effectively to a lost and dying world? Do you know that your assignment is... I want you to see this. Put up my assignment on here. There's a couple slides. My assignment. I'm going to wait for them to get this up. Say this, say this out loud. My assignment from heaven. Say it again. My assignment from heaven. Do you know our destiny is to go to heaven? When people talk about what is your destiny, well, it's to go to heaven. What is your assignment is a very specific uh, answer. What is my assignment? You know what your assignment is as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ in the earth? I'm going to give it to you. Ready? To represent Jesus to the world. Jesus is seriously relevant because Jesus cares about the world that he made and the people in it. Do you know the Bible says that God so loved the church that he gave his only begotten son for it? You know, that's what the Bible says, right? God so loved the Christians that he gave his life for them. Is that what the Bible says? No. Some of you went like this. Go like this. That's okay. Forgiveness in the house. We'll always have forgiveness. It says God so loved the what? World. That he gave his son for it. You see Jesus interacting with individuals when he was in the earth that are all over the philosophical and religious map. People that were so far from God that the religious world wanted nothing to do with them. In fact, if their clothes brushed up against them, they would burn their clothes and go take a shower. This series is not about a political battle. This series is about effectiveness and those of us who call ourselves Christians building bridges, not barriers, with people who are dying and going to hell. I don't think a picket line is going to save anybody. I like what Martin Luther said. You guys know who Martin Luther was? Because of him, we are Protestants. Protested against salvation by works. His was salvation by grace. He was a Catholic monk. He used to whip and beat himself to relieve the guilt and do uh, penance so that he could feel right in God's presence. And then he read the Bible one day and found where it said that salvation is a free gift. So he went to the church leaders and said, hey, look what I found. And so they tried to kill him. And so he started the Protestant Revolution, and he said this. 
If you preach the gospel in all aspects with the exception of the issues which deal specifically with your time, you are not preaching the gospel at all. Jesus brings real solution to real problems for real people in a real world. He has something to say about everything that is impacting our world and everything impacting your life. It's something helpful. It's something hopeful. It's something from heaven. And we are his ambassadors. We are his spokespeople now. Wherever you go, whatever your circle of influence is, you have your own little oikos, your own little circle of friends and relatives And people you connect with and nobody else does. And you are Jesus to them. And here's the goal. Here is the big fat goal for the church. Let's say this is the world here. So here's the world of evolutionists and homosexuals and uh, the greedy and God-haters. And, I mean, you just make the list. Just the people who are lost and... And, uh, and not knowing what life is about. Why are we here? Where did we come from? Where are we going? And then there's the body of Christ right there. There you are. Just look around. Just look around for a second. Just, okay, there you are. There's the church. That's the church. And here I am, lost, like I used to be before I was part of the church. Thank God the person who bridged me from my emptiness to my spiritual purposefulness in Christ did not stand with a picket sign calling me a sinner. That would not have attracted me. That would not have attracted me to Jesus. You know, winning the truth battle, you may win the truth battle, but you've lost a soul. How do I get from here? How do I get from me to you? There's a huge gulf between the world and the church. And this is the big point of this whole motivation of this series is talking primarily to the church. The one I'm, I'm responsible to lead. Talking to the church to not build barriers but bridges. How am I going to get from me to you? I can't jump this. Maybe when I was younger. But right now, I can't jump this. I would hurt myself. There's no way for me. How am I going to get from me to you? It's going to take people. Who's going to help me get from here to there? I'm I'm like, I'm wanting it. I'm wanting it. I I just don't know how I'm going to get there. Is anybody going to help me? Anybody going to help me get over to the church? Okay, name calling is not going to help. Picket signs aren't going to help. It's going to be people. That's the only way for me to get from me to you is uh, people. The church is supposed to be building bridges, not barriers. Hey. And that's the purpose of the series. I thank God that the person that I was working with on the construction site didn't avoid me because I was a big, fat, ugly, hedonist sinner. 
Thank God he talked to me and talked to me and talked to me, bought me lunch, worked beside me, invited me to church, invited me to church. I didn't, I didn't think for a million years that was the answer to the hole in my soul. He was the bridge. I can't wait to see him in heaven and say thank you. Okay, you get a kiss too. Everybody say love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. love. Okay, that is our mantra for this series. Let's do it again. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. All right. Ten will work. Ten loves. He just wanted to one-up everybody. Be more like Jesus than the rest of us. So on these issues we're going to talk about, we need four things. We need clarity. So I'm not going to pull any punches on the truth. We need clarity on these issues. We can't be confused. Secondly, we need conviction is where our our clarity on these issues bring us to a place of conviction. Once you have conviction on what you believe is right and wrong, holy and unholy, moral and immorally, you need courage because there are people going to call you haters. We know that. It's just false accusations about who the church actually is. Don't be offended. Don't take it personally. And most importantly, once you have clarity, conviction, and courage, we need compassion. And that, I believe, is where we have fallen short. Compassion. So today I want to begin with what I believe is one of the issues that are dividing our nation more than any other. And certainly creating havoc in our relationship between the church and the world. And that is the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage. I want to talk about these issues that divide so that we can be healers and not hurters. So that we can learn how can we, this is what we should be thinking, how can we bridge the gulf that has just been made wider. I, I, I don't like the decision any more than Jesus does. It's immoral, biblically. There's no question about that. But we can live in fear, self-righteousness, anger, and we can separate ourselves further and further to protect ourselves and our children from this big, bad, ugly world. For me personally, this may not be you, but I'm going to tell you where I'm at. The farther our world moves toward immorality, the more I want to jump right smack in the middle of it and save some souls. And I want my children smack in the middle of it too. And I want us to make a difference. I want us to be the salt and light, not of the church. I want us to be the salt and the light of the world. And you can't season something you're not touching. A flashlight, I was looking for Oreo's ball last night because he always leaves it out in the yard and it's dark and we got a big property. So I'm always either looking for the tennis ball at night because he wants to play after it gets dark. And so I have to get my phone out with a flashlight and I'm looking for that ball because I'm in the dark. In the daytime, I can stand on my porch and see the ball. I don't need a light. 
You don't, there's no need for your light unless it's in a dark place. Among people who don't believe the way you believe. Before I jump into um, my mess, my, my, the bulk of my message, three questions I have today and facing the Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage, I want to first say something to the gay community because some of you may be here today. You may be a homosexual, you may be a bisexual, you may be a transsexual, you may be a lesbian, or you may be someone who is asexual, you may be someone who identifies, you may be somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction and nobody here knows it and it's the last thing you would ever tell anybody in this room which is a shame that you would have to feel that way in church. It's the way the alcoholics felt in the early part of the 19th century, which is why AA had to be started by two Christians outside the church building because the church thought alcoholism was the worst sin on the planet. So alcoholics did not feel loved and welcomed, so they started AA outside of the church. I believe that's where we are right now with the homosexual community. It's a tough one. I understand that. But if we're going to be Jesus, we better learn how to be Jesus right now in this situation. So I want to say to anybody here that is either part of that community or you struggle with same-sex attraction, I want to apologize to you on the behalf of the church. I want to ask you to forgive us for making you feel bad about yourself as a human being and feeling rejected by us. Jesus loves you. This church loves you, and I love you. Having said that, there's three questions I want to ask to respond to the Supreme Court's decision. Number one, what would Jesus say to the Supreme Court? This is the clarity issue. I think he would just say, you guys got it wrong. Some people say, well, Jesus never taught on homosexuality. Well, he did by teaching on God's plan for the family. Look at what Jesus said. From the beginning of creation, not evolution, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. So if you get a box, if, you, if I had a little drawing board here, you have a box... And you put in here, male, female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. So the male, the man, is the husband, and the female is the wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So now he's talking about sex. I love that part of it. So, then they no longer... And people say, when they see we have six kids, wow, you must really love kids. No. (laughs) I didn't even figure it out until like the fourth kid. And I was like, wait, God tricked us. He loves grandchildren. All I've got hopes dad said when she was afraid to call him up after the fourth child, if she was pregnant with the fourth child, she didn't even want to call her dad. Didn't call him until like four months into her pregnancy and told him, and there was just total silence on the phone. Good old boy from Louisiana. Finally says, y'all need a TV? He goes, I'll buy you a TV. Y'all need something else to do. 
So they no longer are two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Why, why is Jesus saying that any, the box is man, woman, husband, wife, sex, children. Why? Is it because he hates homosexuals? No. Anything outside the box, not just homosexuality, but any other, anything outside the box brings pain and destruction and death and sorrow. It's called sin. That's why. This is not our take, it's Jesus' take. And he's not going to change with society or with the Supreme Court because he's Jesus. His nature and what he knows is healthy and whole for his human race is where he's going to stay. No matter how far society moves over this direction, Jesus is not intimidated and he's not going to be lured over here. Jesus is Jesus and he is God and he is whole and he is healthy and he is right. So this is plain and simple in the battle for this law will go on for years just like the abortion law that was passed 52 years ago that we have been wanting overturned forever has not. And I don't know what's going to happen with this one. But in the meantime, which is my point again, is what do we want to camp on in the meantime? And I believe it is what Jesus would say to the church. That's my second question. What would Jesus say to the church about the Supreme Court's decision? I believe Jesus cares much more about how the church behaves than the actual law itself. I believe he would say that we need to do a better job of relating to and reaching the gay community, building that bridge. So I think there's three things he would say to the church. Number one, stop judging. If that guy on the construction site was judging me, do you think I'd ever want to hang out with him? Nobody likes being judged. And who are we to judge anybody anyway? Seriously, we were on our way to hell and now we're going to judge people because we were saved by grace. Judging does not belong in the body of Christ. There's one judge and he's on the throne in heaven and it ain't you. Right? Look at this. In the book of Luke, about this time. Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at church. That's pretty bad. Jesus says, do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? The worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. When you say AIDS is the penalty because they are worse sinners, you better watch out. Do not judge lest you be judged. The way you judge others will be coming back on you. Some say, yeah, but the Bible says the homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, let's look at that passage in context, why don't we, this morning, church? 1 Corinthians 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Oops. We haven't got to the homosexual part yet. We're just on the those who do wrong part. It's in the same breath, the same scripture, the same part of the Bible that we pull out the homosexual part. Those who do wrong. Okay, anybody who's ever done wrong, raise your hand. Oh, sorry, you're not going to make it into the kingdom of God. 
Those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who live, indulge in sexual sin. Uh Uh-oh, we haven't even got to the homosexual part yet. Pornography, sex before marriage. Jesus even said, if you look at a woman to lust at her, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. You got it? Oh, no, I'm going to drill down. That's just a little bit more, Madhu. We got to get the self-righteous judgment out of our hearts as the body of Christ, or we are not going to be building bridges. Those who worship idols, you spend more money on pay-per-view, going to football games and vacations than giving to the purposes of Jesus in the earth, or commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality. Finally, we get to the verse we like to pluck out of the text. Or thieves. Or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people. None of these, everybody say none of these, these. will inherit the kingdom of God, okay? Some of you were once like that. But, everybody say but. You You were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Bridge builders. Bridge builders. Do you want to be a barrier or a bridge builder? I'm going to be a bridge builder. You've got to make the decision for yourself. Are you going to be a barrier builder or a bridge builder? I know that this group is fighting more vehemently and ferociously uh, for their rights and creating havoc for the church and for Christians in in this nation. I know that. But fighting back isn't going to lead any of them to Christ. My wife was arrested uh, for peaceful, peaceful protests against an abortion clinic when she was in her young 20s. She's doing it differently now. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. I'm just trying to tell you how I, I want to do it. Now, instead of protesting abortion clinics, she just graduated student of the year at San Diego State University in the School of Public Health. She decided rather to build bridges and relationships with people in the health industry to influence from the inside out. Jan Lennington. Senior leadership team. She works at the administration uh, at UCSD. We were on the phone yesterday praying about her boss and the people that she works with at UCSD. The, one of the intellectual epicenters of, on the planet that's got a snake path with a forked tongue coming out of it heading to the library, which is built like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, you would think it was a joke out of a comic book if you didn't see it yourself. I had to go down there and walk the path and actually see it myself. She works right up inside the belly of the beast. She works right in there with the people that think completely opposite that she does and thinks that she's a simpleton. That's what she said. They make you feel like a fool for believing in Adam and Eve and the snake and Jesus and the cross. And so we're praying about her being the salt and light, gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent, how to influence, how to, how to be a bridge builder. Could you imagine then if they look outside of her window, her boss and her look outside the window and see Christians picketing down there with signs, you know, God hates fags and, you know, intellectualism is the biggest sin of, you know, and I mean, could you imagine? And her boss looking at her saying, are those your peeps? 
Wouldn't it be horrible for her to say, uh, yeah, and they actually go to my church. Would you like to visit? We need to stay focused on who and what Jesus is calling us to be and to do, not calling us to judge and condemn the gay community. Jesus isn't. You know what the Bible says? We quoted this a few minutes ago. God so loved the world. God so loved the what? The world. You used to be part of it, by the way. You're actually still in it. In it, but not of it. That he gave his only begotten son. Say it with me. That whoever believes upon him, come on, shall not perish. It's right there. You can read it. But I have everlasting life. Okay, don't move it. How many of you know the next verse? Raise your hand if you think you know the next verse. Okay. The PK, that's good. The pastor's wife. Anybody else? Okay. The Bible theologian in the house. Okay, Jennifer. What's the next verse, Jennifer? Boom. Let's read it together. For God did not, read it out loud. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he didn't send his church to do it because he didn't do it. He didn't send his church to condemn the world. As though that was our assignment. His assignment was that the world would be saved through him, but he's not here anymore. So now the church is my spokespeople. And my assignment to you is to judge and condemn and tell people what is right and wrong, holy and unholy. The Bible says that the pastors are to teach the body of Christ what is right and wrong, holy and unholy, moral and immoral. It didn't say to tell the world. It will be important to tell the world when they want to have a conversation with you so the Holy Spirit can convict their heart. But I don't think shouting that from the rooftops is what Jesus intended for us. We're not called to tell non-Christians to live like Christians, but rather to come to Christ. I love this testimony from a former gay activist. Listen to this. Jeremy Bishop was a gay activist, and he writes in his testimony, I spent 14 years of my life justifying being gay and distorting God's word. I know I asked Jesus to come into my heart at the age of seven or eight, where I was growing up in a Southern Baptist church, a Christian home, and a private Christian school. I even studied Christian studies in college until I was pretty much forced to leave. But I was battling this temptation toward homosexuality that I was taught was wrong. I struggled to reconcile being a Christian with having same-sex attraction. I cried so many nights praying that God would change me. I would say, don't let me be attracted to what I am attracted to. I finally just gave up. Instead of seeing the temptation for what it was, a temptation, a distortion of truth, I set out to convince myself and everyone around me it was acceptable in God's eyes. I found a job in Atlanta, became part of the city's gay community. Eventually, I became a gay rights activist and the president of the board of Atlanta Pride uh, Committee. I still considered myself Christian during that period. I wrongly argued that the interpretations of the Bible, Bible stand against homosexuality, weren't in proper context. I would say, oh, those scriptures aren't in proper context. And I would search out churches and books to support my view. I was in a relationship with a man for 10 years. We were committed to each other. We were even planning on getting married in Vermont. The truth is, it was a really dark time. I was bitter and jaded about everything. I was so angry at the church and church people. 
and general that it took the possibility of joy and tenderness completely out of me. I praised the Lord for his mercy and grace in bringing me back to him. Eventually, my partner and I decided to settle down in Greensville, South Carolina, where we had, where we had relatives. It was my personal trainer, Eric. Love your evangelism in the gym. Bridge builder. It was my personal trainer who invited me to his church, and we felt welcomed by everyone around us, even with an uncondoned lifestyle. Jesus changed our perspective forever during a message on sexual purity, which is what the message is. It's not about homosexuality. It's about sexual purity, which that is a part of that message to all of us. The pastor said homosexuality is not God's best for your life. Every time I heard a preacher teach on homosexuality, it was condemning, harsh, and a defeating sermon. I would walk away feeling judged, struggling with the issue, and no real way to take a next step. By this time, my heart heard But this time, my heart heard the truth and was encouraged. God God had something better for me. Right then, my partner and I walked up front and said, we have to change. We ended our relationship that day, and since then, we have both lived sexually pure. The pastor and staff welcomed us with Christian love, care, and concern without judgment, and they supported us as we pursued God's perfect plan. I am now regularly attending home groups and serve on the care team. Being involved in serving others has allowed me to reach out to some friends and family about this issue and change their perspectives as well. But I lost a lot of friends, straight and gay, when I made my decision to follow Christ and live a sexually pure life. We all have our own predisposition to sin, and I don't consider mine to be any different than anyone else's. I don't carry shame or stigma to it. I wrestle with the desire, but I don't act on it. By leaning on Christ, I have all the power I need to overcome the temptation. I believe God can change my desires that I'm attracted to a woman and able to enjoy sex in marriage. But if that doesn't happen, I'm okay with that too. If that's God's will for my life. Jesus is now leading me in my daily life. And the peace and joy that has come from this change is something I could never have imagined. It's amazing to see what happens when you take God at his word and go all in. I praise the Lord for his mercy and grace in bringing me back to him. What a great testimony, huh? Woo! Uh, His name is uh, Jeremy Bishop. First thing he would say is to stop judging. The second is keep praying. Look what God says about the prayers that he calls us to. Then if my people, everybody say my people. This is an identity issue. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. God's calling us to pray and to repent of our sins. You say, well, prayer didn't work. We prayed the Supreme Court wouldn't, wouldn't make that ruling and they did. Well, there's, you know, three things I pray about. Three things I'm going to encourage you to pray about. One is the government. I think, I hope the law gets overturned someday. Laws are important. They're like boundaries of a river. And we want to make sure this river doesn't overflow the banks and it just gets, you know, just the, the, the flood of immorality. I mean, what's next? I was in a conversation with a, a, a young gal this week. She didn't like something I had to say on this topic. And so she talked to me. And she said, look, I consider myself part of the uh, LGBT community. And I don't like how you said that homosexuals are, are just broken. She says, so, so like heterosexuals aren't? I said, oh, no, we're all broken. 
It's part of it's part of our brokenness. We had a respectful, honoring. We didn't see things uh, the same way. Conversation for about twenty minutes. Tears in my eyes. Tears in her eyes. From the gut, honest. One of the things she said was, but I believe this is right. This, I, it, I, I, I can feel what more immorality and morality is, and this feels right to me. So there's three arguments. One, I was born this way. Two, it's, I feel that it's right. And three is tolerance. The first one, I was born this way, that doesn't make it right. I was born to want to have sexual relations with other women besides my wife. I don't know who they are. I don't, I have not been talking to any of them. I don't Facebook them. But every once in a while, a desire in my heart when I see another pretty woman, woman is there. It's so fleeting. I mean, it's just like so fleeting because then I just look at my wife again and I'm just all enraptured all over again. But because I have the de- desire to be unfaithful at times doesn't mean that that's right. I was born with this sexual drive and this lust, right? So as she and I were talking about it, she goes, well, I know, I know it's, this is right. I say, really? So what about the guy who likes little boys? What about, what about I'm going to, please let me get honest here. What about, you know, bestiality? What about these other Weird desires that people have. The things with, oh no, she said, oh no, but that's immoral. And I said, wait, 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 wait. You can't decide that your passions are normal and theirs are abnormal. Yours are moral and theirs are immoral. The only Geiger counter, the only axis, the only crosshairs, the only place that we can honestly find out what is holy and unholy, moral and immoral, is from God's perspective. And the word of God says, between a man and a woman only. You can't just go by your feelings. This generation runs by their feelings. The right and wrong is based on how you feel. And it's a train wreck. So it's not by how you're born. It's not by how you feel. And tolerance, what you mean by that if you're here today and you are on that side of the fence. By tolerance, you mean I need to agree with you. And if I don't, you're going to call me a hater. That's not very tolerant. So I pray for the government that they will that they will make righteous laws in our land so that they can legislate and facilitate the ways of God into the earth. God requires that. You read that in the Bible. He requires judges to fear the Lord and to implement his laws in the land so that his human race that he's in love with can live healthy and whole lives. The Ten Commandments are good. I pray for myself every day that I would not be a Pharisee, a self-righteous, fearful guy. I want to be like Jesus to every person that stands in front of me. And that means it takes his love in my heart because my love is limited and so is yours. We're all broken. We're all imperfect, but Jesus is not. So it's on your knees is where your heart gets filled up with the love of Christ and your eyes can see and your ears can hear and your heart can feel like him. That's how I want to live life and build bridges. And thirdly, I pray for the lost, anybody that's apart from Christ, including the gay community. 
Thirdly, I believe the Lord would say to the church, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth, but make sure it's in love. Everybody say our mantra. Love, 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 love. Some of you didn't do it. Here we go. Love, 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 love. Jesus begins with love. He is love. He'll always be love. That's Jesus' plan from the beginning to the end. Love, 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 love. So when you have the opportunity to share the truth with somebody, like somebody I spent a couple hours with in a restaurant recently and didn't even know I was a Christian, didn't know I was a pastor, still doesn't know. We talked for two hours. He's completely on the other side of the spectrum on one of these issues. But by the time we got done talking, he promised me he'd go back to his hotel room and pray to Jesus. Had never done before in his life. But for two hours, we didn't even, he had no idea where I was coming from because I was building a bridge. He felt loved, accepted. We laughed, talked. Never met before. Just enjoying the guy. Because I know that God created him to know him. And I'm trying to build a bridge between him and God. But that's going to begin with a bridge between he and I. So I'm not going to put C4 on it by telling him he's an idiot. And wrong. What am I going to do? Sit there and get into a, a, a fight with him about truth? And then completely, probably push him away farther from God. Than he was before he met me. I never want that to be the way what my life stands for. But when you have an opportunity, look what the Bible says. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. And always be ready to give a logical defense. Do you know that you can do that with your faith? Give a logical defense? A logical defense to anyone who asks you to account for the hope that is in you. But do it courteously and respectfully. That's the piece I think we're missing right there. You don't talk to somebody who's rude and condemning to you and talks down and is obnoxious. You don't want to hear them. Jesus is the door, but we're the bridge of the door. So I believe Jesus would say to the church, stop judging, keep praying, and speak the truth in love. I remember one time somebody came to our church when I was in the previous church, and they told me something that they saw in me that wasn't very flattering, uh, and it just crushed me. And so I went home, and I was praying and praying and praying, and Jesus, Jesus, help me. Take this out of me. Take this out of me. And finally, I said, I said Lord, I can't see it. I don't, I don't see it in my soul. I don't know what they're saying about me, but it's not good. I don't see it. He said, you know why you don't see it? And I said, yeah, it's because it's buried so deep under my... My mom and my dad and my older brothers and sisters, and it's all suppressed. And he said, no, you don't see it because it's not there. Not even true. I didn't even considered that. So I took a walk on the beach asking him about this, and he said, I will never send somebody to you to speak something into your life that's constructive criticism if it's not somebody that I know loves you and is for you. This is some stranger that just wanted to pop off and think they know me and think they see something. If you're going to win the ear of a gay person and the heart of a gay person, it's not going to be because you just come and pop off with homosexuality as a sin. You've got to come with love and acceptance. And this is what I think Jesus would say to the gay community, and I'll close. There's four things. I'll have to do this quickly because we're running out of time. Four things I think Jesus would say to the gay community. And I'm sure he may say more. 
I'm sure he may say it differently. This is just the best I've got. What would Jesus say to the gay community? One, I believe he would say, if he was standing toe-to-toe with somebody who is gay, I believe he would stand toe-to-toe with them, and he would say, I'm not saying this to you because I think you're gay. You're just... If you are, I love you anyway. Okay, he doesn't like it. Either your wife and your kids are a cover-up. Or you're a heterosexual. Whatever it is, I just want to use you as an example for a moment. I believe Jesus would say when he found out, I love you. That, 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 you just melt. Love melts you. All the defenses come down. Second thing I think you would say is, I know what it's like to be rejected. How many of you have ever been rejected before? Just raise your hand. It's rejected by, look at all these hands. How's that feel? Does that feel good? Rejected by a boy, a girl, a husband, a wife. Rejected by a school you apply for, uh, a job. Rejected by your mom, your dad. Rejected by your social circle, being bullied online. How about being rejected by the majority of society. I understand that it used to be they were coming out of the closet, but now it is they're out of the closet and they want us to go into the closet and shut up and quit judging. I understand that whole thing. We cannot get, get caught up in that. We've got to stay being bridge builders, not take it personally. And being able to understand you ever heard the phrase seek first to understand then to be understood we have to understand try to understand what it would feel like to be rejected by the majority of society jesus was rejected by the government the roman government he was rejected by the religious system the religious rulers of the day so he's rejected by the government and the church because so far so good right he was rejected by his family his family members His own family members, okay? Can you see how he's identifying with the gay community so far? He was abandoned by his best friends. um, And they killed him. So I believe that he would say to them, I identify with your feeling rejected because I was rejected too. So can you you see the bridge being built here? He's standing in front of a person in the gay community. And I love you. I understand what it feels like to be rejected by the people that are closest to you and all of society. 
That's what I'm sure they would be feeling at that moment. Thirdly, I know what it is to be tempted. So now we're getting down to the sin issue, that it's a temptation. Look what the Bible says about Jesus. For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way so he could be their merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Then Jesus could die in their place to take away their sins. And now he can help those who are tempted because he himself suffered and was tempted. And let's look at this next verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of judgment. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I would hope that the homosexual community could read this and say, therefore, let us go to church and the church of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And finally, I believe he would say, To the gay community, I'm here for you when you're ready to come to me. Jesus plainly says that homosexuality is a sin. It's not a biblical debate if you're going to be intellectually honest with the scriptures. It's it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It just is. It's contrary to God's nature, his holiness. Male, female, together, reflect my glory. Everything else is a perversion. That's just Bible. That's just God. And I believe that Jesus would say... To the homosexual, I'm here for you when you are ready to be forgiven and to find help and hope and to change. Remember that scripture we read that many of you were homosexuals, but now you've been cleansed and sanctified by the spirit of our God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's that transformation process that's available, but we've got to be the bridge. Here's a great promise. I'm going to close with this. Here's the great promise of Jesus to everybody. John 6.37 says, all who my father, everybody say all, all who my father gives or entrusts to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. If you're in that category today, if you're part of that uh, community, or if you have the same sex attractions I want you to know that Jesus wants you to trust him. He's patiently waiting for you to come to him. Look, we all have regrets. And most of our regrets, I believe I can safely say, most of our regrets, many of them have have to do with sexual sin. The shame that 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 comes from. And I want to say that Jesus saves, heals, and delivers. Will you close your eyes with me this morning? I want us to come to the Holy Spirit and pray a little bit. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today, and this, this, this message just filleted your heart, um, I just want you to ask Jesus to uh, forgive you. Right now, just say, Lord, forgive me for being such a self-righteous, judgmental, fearful 
Pharisee, God forbid. And just come to a place of humility right now before the Lord. Say, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I'm afraid to do it. But I'm asking you to make me like you. Just tell him. Say, I don't want to compromise the truth. I don't want to be a coward. But I also want to be compassionate. Now, if you're praying this prayer right now as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to send some individuals across your path. And you're going to have an opportunity to be a bridge builder. Don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated. Ask him to change your heart right now, church. Come on. This is a holy moment. The work of the Holy Spirit. Ask him to change your heart. And pray the bold prayer and say, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the love of Jesus with somebody in the gay community. Secondly, if you're here today and you uh, struggle with same-sex attraction, Jesus loves you, this church loves you, and I love you. And right now, Jesus feels you. He doesn't shame you. He's drawing you. He's calling you. He wants you to know he wants you to walk with him as he walks with you. This is a safe place. Ask him to heal you right now. Say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Call homosexuality a sin right now there in your heart. Just call it what it is because that's where the healing begins. Just say the truth. And then say, now, Lord, I want to be who you call me to be. I'm asking you to help me get there from here. You're my Savior. Some of you have uh, brokenness from sexual immorality. Some, it might be homosexuality. Yours might be pornography. Yours might be lusting after other women, other men. Yours might be a sin of comparison. I wish my spouse was more like that person's husband, that person's wife. That's, that's ungodly. That's destructive. Ask the Lord to forgive you right now. Come on, Jesus is the forgiver. He's the healer. He's here today. Just say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Remove all the guilt and the shame. Make me whole. And I'm going to ask you to start praying for individuals in the gay community. If you know them, begin praying for them. Because that's how the Holy Spirit will begin to do a salvation work in their heart. Amen.